Oh, of course you can. <laughs> so, yeah. Those in our class, you should know yeah. better than me. <laughs> what do you mean we can't answer questions? All right. Well, good to see you. Thanks for staying. Uh, Leonard did a great job of everything that we have to yeah. talk oh, about today. I feel like we can just go home now, honestly. Uh, he did a really good job. You know, with a text like that, and this is, this one was, was hard for me. Because uh, like he was saying, the propensity to judge and be critical and grumble, it's, it's too easy. And I don't even think it's easy sometimes, it's effortless. Like it just happens. It's like, it's what's in us. And he did a really good job of not crushing us with it. He didn't use the text. Like, I, I have the propensity to do that, to, to wield it a, a little stronger than I could. And that kind of hurts people sometimes. And that's something I've learned going through this teaching. Um, um, and it's been hard, especially since Jesus started preaching these past couple weeks. They've been a little harder than before, before we got to chapter 6, before we got to the Sermon on the Mount. Um, these are the hardest digging deepers I've done, for sure. These, these things are, he's taken a lot of logs out of my eye, okay, and that, that took some work, and there's a sawmill that's very active right now, full of my carpenter that he is, so Father, thank you for the effect that your word has, thank you for what you do and what you alone do, and thank you for loving us, it says, in Ephesians, that we're your masterpiece, we're your craftsmanship, we're your poem that you're writing out, and you're, you're doing some editing, so thank you for that editing that you're doing today. I pray that the things that I have to say wouldn't be to tear down, but that you would do that work, and that you would build up as well. Um, I thank you so much for Leonard, everything from his tone to the wisdom within the things that he was saying. Thank you that we got to sit under that today and for that placement on our heart and the adjusting that you're doing in our hearts. Thank you and please continue your work. And I pray for not only our class, but classes that are happening around the building, Sunday schools, uh, uh, sessions rather, that are uh, taking place right now and everybody online. Everybody who's continuing to learn and continuing to, to be with one another, I pray that you would bless all of our fellowship and that you would lead and have learned what you would have learned. Pray for my speaking and hearing as well, for everybody's hearing and their speaking as well. And it's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right, so Christ over the last few weeks has told us to love our enemies. He's told us how to love our enemies. We... we how do we do it? We, he told us to do it, and then he told us how to do it. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those. These are all action words. Pray for, offer, give. And he's told us how to do that. And today, he kind of takes it from our actions, and he takes it to our motives. He takes it, um, so this is what it looks like in our heart. Because the, the, these things uh, are, 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 these things that develop within us that are judging and are, and are condemning come from these are the buds that need snipped. These are the first causes. So he takes it to the deep parts of us. Because um, a significant contributor within our conflicts and our standoffishness, our hard-hardness, is sourced in the things that we bring into this. In our predispositions of how we think we deserve treating, 
and how it shows we think we should treat others. And as we read his word, our Lord is establishing himself as our big brother within us. He's setting up his truth within us, and um, his truth in us then kind of serves as a steward to, to our reactions and the waywardness that wants to jump out. It holds it back. It's like now our impulses have to go through him when, he's, when he moves into us. Um, next week, we're going to talk about foundations. Um, he's breaking up our old foundations and establishing on the new. The old is gone, the new has come. And essentially, he's, he's rearranging the furniture in our brain, as we've said before. He's changing our symmetry. And yeah, it's been hard because I can't love anyone, let alone, let alone an enemy, when I only care about how I'm treated. And he's putting my eyes off me. He's putting our eyes off us. And he's replacing our fixation. Um, these things that develop within us that we nurse and feed and, and, and fear to lose. Because we, the zeal that we have towards these things. He's putting it, our eyes on him. I hope that's happening. I hope we're not just hearing the teaching, but seeing Jesus too, seeing the teacher. Um, last week, we heard what we've witnessed in Jesus, love of enemies. In Christ, the reconciled reconcile. But if Jesus didn't love his enemies, none of us would be here. <laughs> yeah? Um, None of us would be saved. For Christians, the road closed sign is removed and grudges are nullified and made obsolete because Christ resolved the matter between God and Christians. Christians now are those who have the born again, the new capacity, the distinct, un to bear this distinct, distinct love that they've distinctly received, have, have received to love others, not valuing our rights or records of wrong over our potential relationships to the glory of God. So last week, we ended on be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. And James 2.13 says, for judgment without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. For those in Christ, um, what we don't deserve has triumphed over So, Lord, help us to see the heart of God in Christ by these words of yours, in Jesus' holy name. All right, verse 37 is where we're going to continue. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, that's mercy, and you will be forgiven. Give, that's grace, and it will be given to you. So we have, we have eight things here. We have we have four commands and four promises. Judge not, command, promise, and you will not be judged. The promise gives us so much more than, uh, than what we have in, the, in, the, in those little hothead moments of our judgment going out. We receive instead, like if you look at the instead, like I could say this thing now, I could do this thing now, I could render this verdict now, but then I remember this. If I don't, God won't treat me that way. He already has it on the cross. He treated his son that way for us. 
But look how much more we get. We get God's approval when we stop giving other people our disapproval. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. So I want to let the Bible um, itself talk about this before I say much more. 1 Corinthians 4, 4 through 5. I'll read the scriptures and these main points. We'll go through this pretty quick. Um, 1 Corinthians 4. For I, Paul, am not aware of anything against myself. I am thereby not acquitted. Like, that doesn't mean there's nothing against me that the Lord doesn't see. It's the Lord who judges me, and Paul says that. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and will disclose the purpose of the purposes of the heart, then each one will receive his commendation from God. So the point, what he's saying right there is the kind of judgment Jesus is talking about in Paul, in the verse we just read, belongs to the Lord. God's the only one, God's the only verdict that matters because his is the only one that counts, it's the only one that sticks. Romans 14, 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. I'm sure we can talk about that for a minute, but the context here is Christian liberty, and what this verse is telling us is we don't condemn the one the Lord approves of. Like, he doesn't receive the Lord's condemnation, he shouldn't receive ours. Uh, Romans, same chapter, Romans 14, 10, verses 10 through 12. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Brother, that's uh, someone, well, brother, brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah. Or, or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each one of us is to give an account of himself to God. Of who? Of us. So in regards to our personal convictions and secondary matters, um, things like music stylings, things like that, um, that we feel passionate about, but isn't necessary to our salvation, Paul tells the Romans to keep it between themselves and God. We should too, and so much as we find ourselves uh, pining for our way over unity and oneness. If we're to be a church of oneness and unity in Christ, we need to be a church of the teaching and example of Christ. And James 5 9, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Um, he almost quotes our first verse. He almost quotes verse 37 when Jesus says, Judge not, you will not be judged. James says, uses the word grumble. So we heard today Leonard talking about uh, discernment. And so Jesus isn't telling us not to, not to have any kind of judgment. He's telling us you can replace the word, um, and it's within this judge not that grumbling and uh, criticizing uh, are, are set. And that tells us that there's a, well, let's look at Galatians 5 again. Let's let Paul say it. 
this grumbling against one another. Look what Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 15. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So all of our grumbling towards one another, our bickering things that we say about someone, about another, uh, Paul says that's like taking a bite out of someone. You, you might, we might say, well, I'm not a murderer, but have you murdered somebody's reputation? Um, I have a quick question. Yeah. When I was reading this and, and reading it with you again through the other things, it's about condemning of another believer. So we're talking mm -hmm. about our family, if there's a brother or sister, yeah. or a believer, or family in Christ. So does he look at it differently if I have a big, I don't have a problem with judging my sister, not judging my sisters or my brothers. Mm -hmm. I have a big problem in judging like the government, the mm -hmm. world, the, so that's still the same then, right? I, I'm supposed to not do that, I guess, because I always, I always felt like it was just about like us in here. Yeah. We work together, we get along, we figure things out. If we got a problem, we go to that person. Yeah. But in the world, I'm like, that's wrong, I don't like it, I'm gonna judge it, that's not right. Yeah. And I'm not gonna... Yeah, uh, let's go to Paul answer your question better than me. Um, Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, starting verse 9, if you want to go there. I wrote to you my letter. First Corinthians 5, okay. verse 9, last paragraph of, the, um, of this chapter. I wrote to you my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral people, not, um, not, all, not at all meaning the sexual immoral of this world, but, or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters, since you would have to go out of the world. Like if you want to be separate from the world, you have to, or from worldly people, you have to leave the world. Um, but now I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is sexually immoral or greedy or is an adulterer or a viler or drunkard or swindle, not to even eat with such a one, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? And if you look through the book of Acts, you don't really see Paul giving his, his condemnation towards outsiders. He's trying to love them and bring them in through that love. But he says, it is not, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? So here's where a good judgment comes in. It's not being judgmental, but showing discernment. God judges the outside. Purge the evil from among, your, from among you. So he's talking to the church. So we're to be very astute with what's going on here. And we're going to get more into that in just a, in just a moment. Um, when a Christian fights. That's, that's, that's in, we'll talk about that in a few moments, but I wanted you to see uh, Paul saying, in so much as it counts for the church, that's where we purge the evil from out of us. We have to leave the world to get away from the evil that's out there. And that's always going to be there. And we'll get it, we'll answer your question more here in a little bit as we get into it. Um, Yeah, that's next. But one more thing until we get to that. Um, like the world is going to do what the world is going to do. They don't live according to our standard. And this, the New Testament is a book for the church. It's not written to the world. 
All right, so what we see about this grumbling and this criticizing that we can that should that comes from us at times when Paul says this is this is biting and devour one another. Watch out that you're not consumed. So by a Christian's uh, standing kind of in the place of God and being the judge, we are rendering a verdict that's not ours to render, and we're actually Paul was talking about here. This is Christian cannibalism when we devour each other with our points of view. And it shows when we, when we have these points of view that we kind of value our point of view more than our relationships with our brothers and sisters whom Christ died for. If that's what these verses are talking about. So number one, do, do diligence, diligence, not to cause, cause unnecessary or sinful offense by my opinion. Refusing to stand in God's place as judge. When we're judging, we're standing in a place that's not ours to stand in. We're giving ourselves an authority that we don't have to render our verdict from. Where's that at? Hmm? Where was that? That scripture? The... That you said? Oh, that was just... I can give you these scriptures after the service if you like them. First Rich, verse six. No, yeah, we don't. That, we don't want to read that book. Uh, number two, due diligence not to hold on to offenses when opposed. So don't cause offense and don't hold on to offense when offended. In so much as we can, the self-control comes into play, like we talked about last week, bearing an offense. Refusing the grudge for the sake of the relationship. Outside of that, when we hold on to our points, we tell people that our opinions mean more to us than they do, and we value our points of views over our relationships, as I just said. Uh, intentionally deploying grace and mercy out of Christ's love for us, because we're loved by God. That's, the that's our first out of the gate with our mission statement. Loved by God, devoted to Jesus, committed to one another. That's the, like, the order of that is important. We're loved by God, and that's the love that we have that devotion and that commitment to one another with. So intentionally, not naturally, remember, because it's, it's so easy to go the other way, to judge and to condemn. I'll find myself doing it before I get done today. Um, so intentionally deploying grace and mercy out of Christ's love for us frees us from judging, condemning, and walking in unforgiveness because by his mercy, he freed us from our judgment, which fell on him, our condemnation, which he drank into himself, uh, which bought our forgiveness. No condemnation now remains for the Christian, as Romans 1, or as Romans 8, 8, 1 says, therefore, there no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. He drank it all. So no condemnation remains on the Christian. Why should a Christian of all people who go about being, uh, now go about being merciless as people who've received mercy? When, you sp when you're spared wrath, you spare wrath. And Satan is, is an accuser, telling people of this, this, and this to keep them in the, this mode of condemnation. That's Satan's role, not ours. And Paul says, uh, 
about hard things. Sometimes hard things sound like condemnation. That's not, that's not true. Um, truth, just by nature, has this kind of, it's going gonna, it's gonna to jostle you, it's going to shake you, and that might feel like judgment and condemnation, but it's an invitation away from it when it's coming from God. Um, so he doesn't write all the things that he writes, because he says a lot of hard things through scripture, and he says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed. Any hard thing that Paul writes, his motivation isn't just to put people down, like, you're this. Um, I do not write these things, and he has a lot against this church, this church is bananas, the first Corinthian church, um, I do not write these things to ashamed you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. It's Paul being their spiritual father, bringing them into relationship with God, planting the church there. When you would, when we, we should check our motives behind the things that we have to say behind the, um, to make sure that our, we're not grumbling against or criticizing, but rather being coaches is the difference. You could be a critic or you could be a coach. Hey, going back a little, you say when you spare wrath, you spare wrath. Oh, when when you when we are spared wrath, we spare wrath. It's this way of saying when we're shown mercy, we show mercy. Could you say that again? When when we're spared when wrath. When we're spared wrath, we spare wrath. When we're spared wrath? Wrath. Yeah, W-R-A-T-H. When we're spared wrath. When we're spared it, we spare it. When we spare it, we spared it. Another way to say it, when we're shown mercy, we show mercy. Show mercy, we're shown mercy. Yes. So it's yeah. this, I bet, yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I, that, I, my, my head's different. <laughs> <laughs> my head, you know, it's me, it's not you. No, I have a tendency, as many of you probably know, to overcomplexify things. No, so no, I, wanted, I wanted that. <laughs> when we're spirit, it's spell. Wrath. When we're spelled wrath, not spelled. Spared. When we're spared, we spared. Yes. It's like when we, when we're angry at someone, we receive anger. Okay, okay, I got it. So if we give kindness, we receive kindness. Okay. Hopefully. Yeah. I wish there was a formula that in so much as it counts from God. Right. Yes. From the people we're showing kindness to, maybe not. All right, so he doesn't write, uh, I can write it for you if you want after. Yeah, I, okay. I would appreciate All right. Um, I had to think about things sometimes before. Oh, me too. No, 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 my head. <laughs> me okay. too. Thanks. All right, and also, for foregoing offenses, frees them, the offender, from the burden, or maybe they might not even be offended, maybe they offended you and they didn't mean to. Think about that. Um, and you hold on to this thing. 
So foregoing that frees them from the burden our grudge places on people. Um, Galatians 5.1, Paul says, it's for freedom that you have been freed so that you wouldn't be slaves. Yeah, for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Grudges enslave self and others. And we tend to judge and condemn out of our grudges, out of these things that, are, that we bring into this relationship with Christ that he's trying to sweep out the door. We hold on to little things. We have a lot of things from our sin to things we think of beforehand. I've said this before. The picture of a picnic table. Um, some things, when Christ comes in, blow off as easy as a feather on a picnic table, table, and other things remain in us and are harder to get off of the gum stuck on the bottom of the table. Christ is actively cleaning up our picnic table. Um, and the thing about grudges, uh, I heard a pastor say one time, a grudge is like us drinking poison and hoping that it kills them. And so, or a grudge is like taking a bullet for a ghost, it only hurts you. Um, I think that's all I'll say about that, because I think I can quickly betray verse 37 when I go in here, I start to, see I feel within myself to be a little heavy-handed, but uh, Christ's aim for us is to bear fruit in building up, not tearing down. There's a, there's a slavery that happens when, when a grudge is deployed and acted in, and we, we, and Jesus says next, good measure pressed down, given it will be given to you, good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. Like this is what we get in place of where we would have rendered our judgment before. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. Like rewards are far greater from foregoing all the things that we wanna put on people and give to people and ourselves. We're, we play a role in this too. Um, like we get so much more from not, and it's so hard to see when we're hot. As we said, a, a weak, like a strong-minded moment, is a is one of our greatest weaknesses. And here, Jesus promises this good measure, this pressed down, this shaken together, like this, this what we get in return. This, this He's promising abundance. Like so, we need to remember like what we get. Um, out of our obeying this text it is, it is far more we get I don't know how I want to phrase it so remember this teaching when the opportunity to abandon this teaching comes like that's how we tell temptation like I'm feeling this way I want to scratch this itch and treat this person how God doesn't treat me, but Jesus promises reward. So, so now I can stop nursing and feeding and keeping alive and protecting these things in me that I just want to throw onto somebody or some people, some group of people. When you don't do that, 
give reward. And God knows how to give good things to his children. So, For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. We can think about this in the negative and the positive. So um, judge not and you will not be judged. Give and you will be given. There's the positive, the negative, and the positive. So note before we go on. There's in Galatians uh, 5.22. Lots of scripture today. Uh, we got the fruit of the Spirit. And so this is what we do like instead. This is the, these are the things we deploy instead. And I want you to know, like, just to see, like, the most important part of this verse about uh, this fruit of the Spirit, we always think about the fruit, the, the, the fruits being like the stars of the show. But this is the fruit of who? Fruit of the Spirit. Like, this is, like, that's the center of the verse. Not the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not natural within us. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of rich. It's the fruit of the one in me who, in us, in Susan, in Joe, in everybody here, this is not natural to us. It needs to be birthed out of us from the one who moves into us. Like the start of this verse, uh, isn't it all, because if, if it was all about the fruit, it would be all about morality. God gets the glory for this. Like this, like the source is greater than the fruit. The tree is bigger than the fruit. The same as the ground is greater than the tree, the tree is greater than the fruit. With no tree, you have no fruit. <laughs> so this is the fruit of the spirit. God can interrupt us on our way to just being reactionary in some kind of matter, and so and, and he comes along and we bear this instead. And I want you to see here. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and I'm going fast, gentleness, and self-control. This next part. Against such things there is no law. I love that. Like you, We will never be faulted by God for deploying these things. That's measurelessness. That's for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Like, Christians will never be faulted for deploying this fruit, nor is there a limit to the extent to which we can bear this fruit. Never faulted, but rather rewarded. Um, so that doesn't mean when something is wrong that we do nothing. That's what that doesn't mean. And, um, there are circumstances when we deploy this spirit Christ-likeness over the flesh's impulse, and it gar garnishes us an eternal reward. However, the Christian is called to battle in three spaces. Sin and self, we go to battle there. Sin in the church, as we heard Paul say in 1 Corinthians 5. Sin and self, sin in the church and when speaking up for those who can't speak up for self. So, where there's oppression happening that we can do something about it and bring Christ into that situation, that's where we go. We do so in a respectful, honorable way. And we have to ask ourselves, uh, when, when something comes up and it's a hill to die on, how do we tell if something is a hill to die on? We have to ask ourselves, what's at stake here? 
when truth, the faith, the church, when these things are at stake, when something is at stake in God's word, when someone's in danger, in cases where the word of God is at stake, uh, there can be no peace because truth outweighs fruit, because truth brings about fruit. First uh, Corinthians 13 says, love rejoices in the truth. So we, when we're being lied to by whoever, government included, we don't rejoice in that. And we know. Love rejoices in the truth. And we fight for the truth. We're people of truth. We were saved by truth. We're saved by a God who is himself truth personified. For there to be love, there must be truth. Truth activates love. I love this is my favorite quote because Martin Luther was a fighter. And Martin Luther said, peace if possible, but truth at all costs. Truth goes... Truth is to be protected at all costs and so much as we can protect it. And we speak the truth in love. You know, we don't beat with this book. Everybody this book tells us to love. But that doesn't mean we don't share what this book says. Because Paul says we destroy strongholds. Like there's bad ideas out there. How do you solve those bad ideas? You tell the truth. So fruit has qualifier, qualifiers. Um, okay, can I? Yeah. So, I'm just making sure I can wrap my mind around what we're saying. Okay. Okay, so, if there's stuff going on in the world and we're speaking the truth of the Bible, we're allowed to speak that, <clears throat> and that's not judgment, that's just speaking what the truth of, the, of God has said to us. Yeah. Um, but, if the world's not coming into here, yeah. I need to let it go. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Like. I, if, I need to stop worrying about any of that stuff as long as it's not coming in here. Yeah, when the world comes in here, then that's that's when the truth could be at stake, and that's a hill to die on. When we start looking more like the culture, then I mean, the church is to have an effect on the culture, not the culture have an effect on the church. Um, but maybe. But how do we react with it? I said maybe our part only because we can't is pray about. It. Yeah, prayer is no small thing. We we say yeah. it like. I know. do that. I just get yeah. mad. And I, my yeah. anger. But yeah. What he's what what I understand what you're saying is is that I'm to fight over stuff that's worthy of fighting for, and that's yeah. God's word, my community in this church. Yeah. And if anybody else can't stand up for themselves, but I know the truth and what they want, I'm able to stand up for them. Yes. As long as it's in God's. That's really good. Yeah. Those are the three Put things that really that well. I yeah. have to worry about as a Christian. Yeah, Other those than are that, I can't worry about everything else that's going on. Paul said he's not the judge of outsiders. Okay. You know, and see, I want to change, I want to change the world. Like, I want to yeah. go out there and be like, why can't you see what I'm seeing? What you do with those first things, yeah, I know. Yeah. Making me angry, like, why don't you see what I'm seeing? Yeah. That's too big. How you operate in those arenas is how you change the world. Oh, I like that, brother. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Instead of coming out angry, yeah. you need to come out the opposite way and come out in love and just be like, listen, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I get it, whatever. Yeah. But it doesn't affect here. Yeah, I mean, you and know. That's, what I have to, my, that's where my battle needs to be, is if it affects here, 
then I can come out like a lot. Yeah. The church, let me think about it like this. Um, where is the presence of God right now? Here. It's in the church. Exactly. The presence of God on earth right now is in his people. God is more powerful than any tsunami, atomic bomb, or any protest. So when we live according to his command, they can't stop that. So as a hypothetical, say the government has, well, I don't know, we'll call it a pandemic. It's, it's not much more effective than the flu, but starts closing down all the churches because... That's where our fight begins, right? Mm -hmm. If God says meet, we will meet. Even if it's not in here, we will meet. We've talked about this before. Uh, I mean, your elders. Uh, this is a sacred place, and they have authority so far. God is that God has given them, um, but God has authority over. We obey the government to the to the point where it causes us to sin. If the government is causing us to sin or reject, you know, we we then we obey God up to that point, and we're commanded to. Yeah. So. so that helps me a lot, just what you just said. Mm -hmm. So wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, that's okay. I'm not sinning by wearing it, even though I don't believe it's true. And it's yeah. not true. I'm okay to wear it because I'm not committing any type of sin that's in this Bible. Yes. I would tell okay. you to go to Romans 14, though. Okay. Just in your personal time, go there. Because uh, that's where Paul teaches the Romans to... We don't. We shouldn't value our rights over our relationships. Um, so I, when Paul says, "I gladly lay down my rights," like if if if, if my eating, he uses the example of my eat, if I eat meat that's sacrificed to an idol, and my brother sees me, that trips him up so bad. So when it comes to the mask, if if my Brian said this before, I hope I don't get him in trouble. Um, a different Brian who doesn't go here is another Brian. Oh, I, don't know. Um, I thought it was our Brian. No, no. He said, if my wearing a mask gets someone here, and he gave an example, to come to church, and they wouldn't come to church otherwise, I wore the mask. It's, you know, it's not about me. Um, Rich, sometimes I think we're so concerned about our own rights, and as Christians, yeah. maybe we should be a little more concerned about the rights of others. I mean, yeah, we, we have this... Yeah. Who need the gospel. Yeah, we, we, I mean, you know, what are our rights next yeah. to a kingdom uh, membership that we have? Their rights. Yeah. They gave up everything for the gospel. They gave their homes. homes. Yeah. They stole their homes. Yeah. What would we do? We have citizenship in heaven, so the rights we have with our citizenship here, it's like, take them. You can't do anything. It's hard. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not hard. Oh, no, yeah. It, it's very convicting and scary. I mean, I deal with this every day. My, yeah. I judge myself. Oh my gosh, that would take all day. <laughs> Without <laughs> judging the others, you know. Yeah. Especially, who am I to judge the outside? If we did a little bit more self-evaluation, we'd have a lot more condemnation. You know? Or a lot less condemnation. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense, because Brent and I have discussed this. Like, Just because we feel that it's wrong doesn't mean that everybody else feels that it's wrong. And by us walking into a business without it, even though I want my civil liberties to be able to say, mm -hmm. I know it's wrong and I want to be able to have my rights and my freedoms yeah. in the United States of America to do what I want, we've still put that business in jeopardy. Yeah. Unknowingly, maybe <clears throat> someone would call the health department and say, hey, Rachel Yokley was down there in Giant Eagle without a mask. I'm not gonna get the penalty. Yeah. It's gonna be Giant Eagle. Mm -hmm. So we've gone over this and over this and over this. Like, what do we do? What's the right thing to do? Even though you, we feel, and yeah. That it's wrong, but I feel right, they're right. But you, you said yeah. it's not about sin in the Bible. 
I have to worry about them making me do something that not God doesn't want me to do. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what um, I have to worry about. Like if they said you have to bow down to Satan, that's definitely that's where the buck stops I'm done okay mm-hmm. um, we obey the government up to the point where it causes us to sin against God Damn. Okay. Um, that's put that's put a lot of, of stuff on my heart to rest like on, way on go Jesus yeah it's all right here okay. um, our you know our it's awesome to be a citizen of the United States especially when you look at the rest of the world and go through history and look around the world right now. But we have a greater kingdom that we are members of. And so, and this is temporary. We have a few decades here and then glory forever. So we should live glory-minded now knowing that our citizenship is in heaven. And so like, when we think about that, I find it a lot easier to lay my rights down. Because, like, I needed that today. Thank you. All right. All right, so God is the one who zeroes out accounts on the cross. Now we can love to fuller measure. Remember, we're still in the verse for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Um, So now we can love with a fuller measure. God will be faithful to bless us eternally as the bottomless well that won't run dry that he alone is. So we need not worry about letting our judgments and condemnations go because they only matter in the moment and are kept alive by worry and fear or anger. God can render a better call than us. So we forego and release and disallow ourselves from taking in our hands what God does with his. He zeroes out accounts or charges accounts, and his call is perfect. Psalm 51, um, I got marked. My son, when I was going over this, was taking out all my little flippies here as I was going through. And then running away, he shut off my printer five times when I was trying to print this. So I did not. You can't print your judgment now. <laughs> I really want to print your judgment. Yeah. He was wanting attention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, psalm 51 Psalm 51, one of my favorites um, I've had to go to this psalm a lot because I've sinned a lot and this is the psalm where you use the, get the language from to say, hey God, I've did this um, for I know my transgressions starting in verse 3 um, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you and you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight that so that you are justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Um, he knows all matters, God knows all matters through and through and is both justified and blameless in his judgment. That's him, not us. He sees perfectly. We should talk about it in a sec. But, so these two, two verses highlight that while we get what Christ put in regarding salvation, we get what we put in regarding what we do with it. And I just want to say, all right, I did this for you and now you're up. That's not what salvation is. It's, it's, it's not, I saved you, now what are you going to do with it? It's, I saved you and now what are we going to do with it? That's where the sovereignty of God and human responsibility hold hands. 
God is the one who judges without partiality. We'll talk about this more next week. We don't know. Let's just move on. Um, he also told them a parable. Moving on to verse 39. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both fall into a pit? So apart from light coming into the world, we're in the dark. The point is, um, there's plenty that we will fall into with people who are just as blind as we are, who claim to see, unless someone turns the light on. That's our condition, why he says what's next. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So our job isn't merely to, merely to say, go that way, but it's to point to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who knows where he's going, what he's doing, and why he's doing it. He knows us and himself perfectly. The highest position that we could ever be promoted to is Christ-likeness. That's what a Christian is. Like there's like the word, the term Christian used to be a derogatory, a derogatory term. Like in the book, like, oh, you guys are Christians. That means little Christ. You guys are just little Christ. And we're like, yeah, that's right. Christ likeness. That's like. And so with that, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? This is where good judgment and discernment come into play. It's with good judgment that we should be able to tell what's judgment and what's condemnation. Um, there are things we, we, we should judge in love what God judges. We should, well, hold on. That we can get a little too free with that. Um, and condemn the things that God condemns. But first in us, and then the church. And then that's where I was going to read what Paul over much earlier. So how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you do not see the log that is in your own eye? Like that's, if you think about it, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, hey, you got something in your eye. Like that's, that's what we do. It's like, He's saying, don't just look at everyone's shortcomings and offenses and want to deal with them so as not have to be open or take responsibility for ours. Like, yeah, they got stuff wrong. You got a whole world of stuff wrong with you. Start there. But start in the self-evaluation. The log. It's like when you're looking through a telescope, the only thing you're not looking at is the telescope. Everything else is magnified, but in reality, you're a universal way. And he says, you hypocrite, first. Like, there's an evaluation that needs to be accepted before uh, any help can be offered. You know, roots before fruits. Which is next week. And here's his action step. We get an action step. He doesn't just... First... Take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take a, the speck that is in your brother's eye. Um, we'd be a lot slower to judge if we'd be a lot quicker to do self-evaluation. And hypocrisy, just acting, is a massive issue. Bigger than the issue that's seen through it. Just like Anything I'm looking at through a telescope is bigger. Take a microscope to yourself so that you don't take a telescope to others. 
like a log is more substantial than a speck in the Lord's just eyes. So to stand in his place as judge with a massive moral flaw, a log, compared to the speck of sawdust, is the judging that he's telling us to stay away from. We can't be like our teacher if we're adjusting everyone else to look like us and not look like him. It invites us to deal with self, with Jesus, and repent before we're fit to help anyone else. How can a slave of sin free a slave of sin? Well, they both fall into a pit. So we need to be, we need to hear this. We need to be liberated by Christ and know his truth. The truth sets us free. Jesus didn't say love sets us free. He says truth did. Love rejoices in the truth. Because he can help with the log. So, I've marked off for prayer here. And then, I, then I'll say one more thing and then we'll be done. And, and we can talk, if you'd like. So here's an opportunity for self-eval. Kind of like, this is communion without the bread and the wine. To ask the Lord, so I put in my Bible like a big stop before I read on to the next section. And to pray each time I read this, I'll see that stop and I'll ask the Lord, what's making me a hypocrite? Like, what do you see? And pray for resolution with unresolved conflicts. Resolutions with people who I might think of as an enemy. Maybe you have the opportunity to be go me made right with them. Because either way, the Lord says, if someone has an offense against you, drop your sacrifice and go make yourself right. And it also says, if you have something wrong, if you're an enemy to someone, just stop. Either way, go, is the command. And we'll pray against our stubbornness. I don't want to pray that for you. you can, I want you to pray that in your own language. I don't, I don't feel like it's appropriate for me to say, hey, you need to do this, this, and this, because the text just told me I can't. So, in your own space, ask the Lord to show you, to search your heart, Scripture puts it, to show where resolution needs to take place. And pray against things uh, like stubbornness within us, our own hard-heartedness. And to be thankful for whatever fruit comes. That's how we end the prayer. That we might be, bear the fruit of believing in Jesus and his word. And Christ gave us the teaching and accomplished it, making himself the object of our faith. Not all this teaching, I'm not talking about just today's topic, but everything we've heard on the Sermon on the Plain so far. Um, Christ gave us this teaching and accomplished it, making himself the object of our faith, so that the object of our faith isn't our own obedient self, but him. This teaching isn't for our salvation, but how we operate within it. He's our salvation. It's for what we do with our salvation. This is how we operate. The Sermon on the Plains, Sermon on the Mount, these are our manuals, our operation guides. He's put the batteries in. We don't do this to be made right with God. 
but living these, com these commands shows us that we are made right with God. They're the evidence. We don't obey to be saved, but we, but because we're saved. Our obedience is proof of his saving, his justifying work, not because of it. The desire to obey him comes in the new heart. He's given the sinner he's drawn in. His justification is his verdict that sinners judgment that a sinner's judgment is mercy because Christ took our judgment and so I just want to finish with uh, Colossians 3 scripture again put on then as God's chosen ones this is who we are remember we said last week that just because they have a jacket doesn't mean I'm wearing it you have Christ put him on Put on then, as, God chosen, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. We don't feel very holy, do we? But in God's eyes, we are. He calls us holy temples elsewhere in Scripture. Holy and beloved. That's us. We can just breathe in that fact that we are beloved, the beloved of the Lord. Put on then, compassionate hearts, kindness. Humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. Can't bear with one another outside of this love he's talking about. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful, and let the word of Christ dwell. Let the peace of Christ rule, let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiveness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. So, Father, we come to you through your Son, by your Spirit. Thank you for everything that we've got to hear from your word today. Thank you for, every, for people in different parts of the church going over things. Pray that your word would bear fruit in us. And that we would be those who, like your word says, Slow to anger. Not that there isn't good things to be angry about, but it, you don't want it to be our first reaction, our go-to. Those who are not quick to speak, but quick to listen. Help us to be those who are quick to do self-evaluation so that we might obey your commandment not to judge, looking to the reward of what we get from obeying your command, and you will be not judged. And you will not be and you will be forgiven and it will be given to you pressed down, shaken together, running over because we have there's far more that we get from obeying you in humility than in scratching our itches and our pride submit myself ten times full to this of what I would 
admonish anybody here to do. And thank you that you're the object of our faith. Help us to remember that all the more when we forget this and scratch those itches and hold those grudges. And Jesus, may you come and pluck up those weeds in our hearts, forgiving us and standing us up again, raising our faces to you again. And it's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Is there anything anybody wants to talk about? I don't want to have the reputation.